The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, good morning. All right, let's try that again. Good morning. Great, thank you. Um, hey, we want to welcome you this morning to Norris Ferry Community Church. Uh, today is a little different than normal. Um, my name is David Granger. I'm the worship pastor here uh, for the church. And today is Orphan Sunday. Uh, this Oh, sorry. Forgot to introduce my best part. This is Allison, <laughs> um, uh, my wife. And today is Orphan Sunday. Uh, today is a little different than normal. And um, so we just want to say welcome if you're a guest. Uh, we would love it if you would fill out one of those guest cards for us so we could uh, just contact you through email and, and tell you thank you for being here and also uh, give you some ways to get connected to the church. Um, but today, as we begin the service, we want to kind of begin by um, kind of taking our mind from all the busyness and, and begin to think about uh, what it would be like to be born and not have parents at all, um, to be alone, uh, maybe siblings, but to be alone somewhere as an orphan. Um, I needed, uh, as I started thinking through this, how do I get perspective on this and how do I kind of lay this out? And so what I began to do is do some research, and I found out that there are over 140 million orphans in the world today. So there's a lot. So there's a great need and also a great opportunity for the church to be the church to these kids who are alone. Um, I found out that uh, as I looked at that, I was thinking, okay, 140 million sounds like a lot, but I was having trouble getting a perspective on it. And so I looked at some other statistics. Uh, Texas has 27 million people. Uh, Louisiana has about 5 million. Um, the U.S. overall has 322 million, somewhere in that range. So when you think about 140 million children in the world today that are orphans, it's a lot. And there's a big need. Um, Asia has the largest number. They have somewhere in around 60 million. And just below that is Africa, then Latin America, and then United States uh, ranks fourth in the world for the greatest number of orphans. Um, so there's a, a great need internationally and here. Today we've joined with uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans and joined with many, many other churches around the nation and around the world to be a part of Orphan Sunday just to help bring awareness to um, the great need that's there. And I'm very thankful to be in a church that uh, God has started something here through our families. And we continue to see families um, are adopting kids and families who are being trained for foster care. And, and so it's really uh, amazing to watch God move um, in our church and in such a small church to see so many kids that have already been adopted and brought into loving families. Um, but this morning, we're going to have a few of those families just come up and share their story of adoption with you. Um, you know, I've, I've heard it said <clears throat> that adoption is a, a really clear picture of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, how Jesus adopted us into his family. But one of the things that struck me through this whole process, um, as we'll talk in just a minute, uh, is that God adopted us already know in our heart he knew it was wicked and he knew it was bad and he knew it would reject him um, 
God still chose to give us a way through his son Jesus Christ to be a part of his family, to be adopted into his family. You know, when we went through the adoption process, we didn't really know these kids. I mean, we did, they could be the most awesome kids in the world. Who knows? We didn't know their heart, but God did. He knew our heart and still accepted us as believers in Christ Jesus through the blood of his son. So this morning is going to be about God's glory through adoption and through adoption of families here and also through our adoption spiritually um, with, with Christ. So I'm going to invite my wife. She's going to share a little bit about um, our story. So and you'll see on the screen there, that is Emma and Jude Granger now. And uh, we have three other children. We have uh, Ethan, Jonathan, and Ella. Ethan's 13, Jonathan 11, Ella 8, somewhere around in there. And uh, Emma is now 5, and Jude is 4. They were 3 and 2 when we got them about two years ago. And we were kind of throwing around some words last night to describe our adoption. And and Jonathan's first word was roller coaster. And uh, it continues to be that with five kids at the house. But um, it kind of started that way, and it just made us trust God, trust God, and trust him some more. Um, the whole overall adoption process took us about four years to, to get him in our home. First, we looked at foster care, and that didn't seem to be a good path for us. And, and then um, we made a big investment in Russia, and um, after about a couple of years, Russia closed to adoptions right before we were nearing, hopefully, the end. And so we continued to pray and seek him through tears and struggles and just trying to figure out where, what this desire in our heart, how it was going to come to fruition. And, and that uh, led us to China and uh, to Asia. And so when we were completing the paperwork, uh, we were looking for one little girl. And uh, there was a little box you had to check if you wanted to. And I went ahead and checked it just in case. And, uh, and so David will tell you all a little bit, bit more about the, what that check mark ended up meaning in our lives. As you can see, it was more than one little girl. But um, anyway, uh, we got to go to China, and we walked into this room, and we're so excited. And then all of a sudden, there's just these two kids that are ours that are standing there. And, uh, you know, uh, we, they hand us their birth certificates, and we're reading through, and on there it said, uh, Foundling. And so I was hoping as we got there to have some questions answered and things like that. But that's about all we know as far as before they, they came to us. And like David was saying, that's, that's what we all are in Christ is that he found us. And so now they're Grangers, and they're a part of our family. And uh, one of my favorite stories is you do, you get these two kids, and you know so little about them, and they know nothing of us except that we look different, we sound different, and... Um, you know, thankfully, uh, we had an amazing trip. We took the Brady Bunch to China is kind of how it seemed. So we had our other three kids with us, and they just started playing with ball, playing ball with Jude, and we took out the phone and showed that to Emma, and that's how she somehow was like, they're okay, they've got a, they've got a device that I can play on. And, uh, and so we're, we went back to the room and trying to figure out, okay, Lord, now how does this look? And uh, he's been so gracious to us through the whole process. And uh, David and Jude were sitting there and um, just kind of going through, listening to some songs as it's time to go to sleep because we've never put them to sleep before. And, uh, you know, God even gave the two of them the gift of music because they can both sing and, you know, their own pitch, which is important. <laughs> and uh, anyway, they're, so they're sitting there and there's the big scallop. We, we had this amazing room, rooms we would never rent here in um, 
the United States, but it had, you could see the whole skyline of Guiyang City just wrapped around, and they're sitting there and listening to these songs, and David had on Amazing Grace, and you just started humming along with him, and so, and then we're all just crying, because God has been so gracious, and even though at times it was a roller coaster, and we didn't know where to turn, he continued to direct our path, and and looking back, it's just so so evident how he was working, even when we didn't know um, what he was doing. And um, he continues to work. You know, when we went, when we moved to China, we um, if we were if it was going to be fast, which we were feeling pretty urgent at that time, we were like, this has got to end at some point in time. Um, we we had to adopt a kid with special needs, and we didn't know exactly what that meant. But uh, one of the, the, the things that we had checked is uh, they both have a cleft lip and palate. Little did we know at time that God was already even orchestrating that. We have one of the best surgeons in Shreveport in the whole United States. And uh, since we've been home, we've, we've spent a lot of time in the hospital. Um, but, but, I mean, if you could see, Emma's the one who's really had tons of stuff. God has just continued to strengthen her spirits and strengthen my kids because it's their commitment, too, of taking care of these little ones. And, uh, you know, she, she didn't have any hair. And praise the Lord, we've got hair on her head now. And she couldn't talk. I thought, I thought she was speaking Chinese. And the Chinese people said they didn't understand her. And, uh, and I didn't understand her because she had had a little English. And so when we got home, we realized that she literally, because of the formation in her mouth, could not make the majority of the sounds in the alphabet. And so we're understanding each other now. You know, I know I'm her teddy bear. I'm her pop goes the weasel and all her funny little quirky phrases that she throws in there. And so God has just been so gracious to provide for them health care and just to provide a, in, in the time they've been home, my three older kids have come to know the Lord. And we're praying that, that that's our ultimate goal is that through bringing them into our home and loving them in our home that ultimately they know Jesus, that they're not our foundlings as their parents, that they're his in eternity. So David's going to tell you all a little more about our, our number two child. <laughs> Actually, that would be number five. Oh, five. Yeah, five. Um, yeah, Emma has little names for everybody. And the other day she came home with this little drawing, um, and it had uh, Allison and Ella, and I think they were like in a circle. And then there was Jonathan and Ethan, and they were out of the circle. They weren't in the inner circle with, with Emma. Emma was in the inner circle. And then there was this little thing over here, and we were like, Emma, what is that? She's like, that's daddy. And it was like way down here. And, I, and we were like, what? She said, it's a baby. So she always calls me baby. I don't know why, but I'm the baby of the family, apparently. Um, yeah, you know, ad- adoption is, is uh, scary to think about when you are at the beginning of the process. And I remember being here just uh, talking to the guys, the staff about it and, and friends and just not knowing all the uncertainty that comes along with it. But uh, when Allison checked that little box where she was saying we were open to two kids, she was saying she was open to two kids. Because at the time, I had been planning on let's do one, let's get a little girl. We'll have, as I think Jonathan said, we'd have even, no, Ethan said, we'd have even teams because we'd have two boys and two girls. Uh, So we were pursuing one little girl for adoption. Uh, We got to the end of this process, and we had Emma's file. We had seen her. We had accepted her file, and 
our agency said we have a, a need for little boys to be adopted. And uh, I said, well, we're going to do one, and we're going to see how this goes. Because um, I, I felt a need in some ways to, I felt like I needed to protect the family from what could happen uh, by bringing kids into the family. You just don't know what they've experienced and what will happen. And, um, and so uh, they called us and said, we have a little boy. Um, we have his file. Would you like to see it? Allison said, sure, we'll see it. And I said, sure, we can see it, but we're not doing it. And, um, but I could tell for, for her it was in her heart. She wasn't pressuring me. She, she just she wanted to do that. And she said, if we're going to make it crazy, let's just make it really crazy. Um, so uh, I started praying about it. We had two weeks that we could have his file before we had to release it back to them. So two weeks went by, and I think we were supposed to let him know Thursday. I was up here on a Tuesday working, and I had his picture that I opened up on, on my screen on the computer, and I, I just was, I just never, like when I saw Emma, I felt something. When I saw him, I just never felt uh, a connection, and I just asked myself, you know, am, am I your dad? And I really was thinking no. But I also was was burdened in the sense that my, I know Allison wants it. Here's a child that needs a home. I was kind of wrestling with, with myself. And I remember that Tuesday I came up here. Nobody, everybody was gone. Nobody was here. And I just came up here to the cross, and I just knelt and prayed. And I thought, God, you know, this is something I cannot do without specifically hearing from you and uh, I was waiting on the lights to go out or something and nothing happened Um, I didn't hear anything and so the answer for me was still no Um, I thought you know without clear direction I just can't make this this step so I was up here I think the next day working and we were it was when the church was going through the study of Hosea and I was uh, working on getting the words up for the screen, and, and our program is a database, so all the words of the Bible is already in there. You just kind of, hey, I want Hosea chapter 14, pull it up, boom, um, there it is. But when I pulled it up, there, I, had, I had looked at his picture again and thought, you know, are you my son? And I really still just did not think he was. Pulled up the, the passage of Scripture that happened to be that week, you know, just happened to be, and a scripture jumped off the screen at me, not me looking for it. I know, you know, we, we hear people say that, but I was not looking for it. Um, I was trying to get that done so I could move on to something else. And literally the scripture said, in you, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Jennifer Goods, you did this. Um, in you, the orphan finds mercy. Um, and immediately I knew he was my son. So it's been, you know, had God not, it's, God, it's, it's ultimately God. Had he not revealed that to me, Jude would not be a part of our family. But God wanted him here. And when God revealed it, he changed my heart. And I never looked back. Um, and when he came, to be, when, when, when I knew it, I was like, okay, whatever craziness happens, God's going to give us a way to endure it. And so uh, it's been an amazing journey. And um, as we continue today, 
Um, there's going to be other families that share their stories, and there's different. Every family has a different story of how God has led them through adoption, bringing them to adopt, and His hand throughout the process. So, let's pray together, and let's just ask the Lord's blessing on today. God, we thank you for the privilege, Father, to be called children of God. Lord, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus, Lord, we, we thank you for that privilege to be called children of God, to be adopted into your family, the creator of the universe. Lord, this morning, as we look at... Uh, these different aspects of adoption, of foster care, of orphan care, Lord, as we um, celebrate, Lord, what, the, what you are doing in our church, Lord, the movement that has started of adoption. Lord, so many families in such a small church is not by accident, Father, but it's because of your hand and your will. God, I pray that we will, uh, Lord, continue to see more and more children who are not alone anymore, brought into families who will love them and share Jesus with them. God, thank you for this opportunity this morning to worship you. Uh, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Zach and Jennifer come, uh, the younger children can be dismissed uh, onto the classrooms. If you were in here and you planned on leaving, now's the time to do it. Good morning, everyone. I'm Zach Edgar, my wife, Jennifer. Um, this is our... Uh, newest child, uh, Elizabeth, who's been with us for about three months now, and uh, share a little bit about our story with you here this morning. So Jennifer and I are coming up on uh, 10 years of being married, and a few years into our marriage, started to experience the struggles of not being able to have kids, a uh, very trying thing for us, and uh, certainly the biggest thing that we have faced in our marriage. As we've gone through this process, we, we tried all the infertility treatments, went through it, and experienced the highs and lows that come with that and the outright uh, frustration of just it doesn't work. And to sit in a doc, doctor's office with somebody who's supposed to be one of the best fertility specialists we could find and um, to hear him say, you know what, you're one of the very small percentage that just can't. And, you know, I can continue to take your money and we can continue to try things and in my honest opinion, it's just not going to change. Um, that, that was a really hard thing to hear, uh, but to know that that was God talking to us and saying, this isn't how it was meant to be for you guys. So we, uh, we walked out of there not knowing exactly how it was going to be, but at the same time knowing that, that adoption was kind of the option for us now. It, as we went through, we talked with an agency one, at one point, and I remember just being astounded by everything that went into that. We talked about it. We said, you know what? That's the route we're going to go. Uh, save some money, make some plans, figure out a way to make this all happen. Um, it, as God would have it be, though, our, our timing wasn't his at all. Um, I was on the other side of the country on a business trip. Jennifer's at work one morning and calls me up and says, hey, uh, so... Got a phone call. We have an option, opportunity to adopt a baby that's going to be born uh, sometime tonight. So, yeah, imagine waking up to that on the West Coast and you're going, oh, my gosh, what in the world is going on? I, I couldn't get on a plane and get back to uh, Lake Charles at the time quick enough. So uh, Brett, um, our son, was born three and a half years ago there, um, right a couple hours before I got back. But a pretty amazing thing. I remember the first night walking into uh, – 
that hospital room. And, of course, the family had been texting me pictures and went through the whole thing with the airlines, flight delays, and finally said forget it and rented a car and drove home. Um, but the whole whole process, when I uh, walked in and just that connection that we felt, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. And at the time, we had no concept of what had happened in the last eight hours or 12 hours by this point, I guess it was. But there was, there was just no concept in my mind of how God had orchestrated this entire event. He'd put lawyers and social workers and nurses and doctors and everything that, oh my gosh, it's staggering to stand here and think about. Uh, all that came together. About a year later, uh, God brought us to Shreveport. And uh, over this past uh, summer, uh, again, I'm at work one day and get the phone call that says, hey, um, so instead of eight hours notice, we thought we might try giving you about a month's notice. So uh, it's when we found out about Elizabeth. Of course, no question in our mind. We would love to uh, love to have Elizabeth as our daughter. So everything goes. Uh, the, the thing that stood out to me during this process is I don't know how people do this for nine months because, oh, my gosh, this waiting is killing me. So... <laughs> God obviously knew it was more than I could handle. He, uh, he cut it down to three weeks, brought her a week early. So uh, gave me a little bit of relief there. Um, but it's been absolutely amazing to, um, again, go through those same feelings that we had with Brett. Uh, but this time to add the dynamic of Brett and Elizabeth together. And you see the picture there. She was 10 days old at that point. And we took her on vacation with us up to Branson. And uh, this was uh, laying in a bed in a cabin up there on the lake, and uh, the two of them were uh, pretty cool to watch. He, uh, very attentive, very wonderful thing to know that a kid that for the last three and a half years has had our undivided attention and just been the center of our worlds has accepted having a sister that quickly and has just absolutely shown an amazing love for her. We know that that's God's hand in our adoption and our process, so. Thank you for allowing us to come and share with you guys. And, uh, can't wait to hear all the remaining stories. Thanks, Zach. Jennifer. So I'm David. This is Jennifer Googe, Um, And we are here today to tell you all a little bit about our adoption story. Um, we have five children. We have Henry, who's 14, Maggie, 11, uh, Sarah, who's nine, and Grace, who's six, and Miles, who is ten months, who's on the screen. Um, and our adoption story really starts a long time ago. Um, you know, as a kid, I kind of grew up in an uh, environment where um, I just had a real affinity, I guess, towards um, the black community, and I had I had really close black friends, and so I just had this heart um, for black boys as I grew older, just... Um, just the uh, struggles that they face and, um, and just kind of what they're up against. And so um, really at that time in my life, it was, you know, I, I really was burdened by this concept of adoption, not from a spiritual foundation, but more of like a, oh, social justice, I guess, or, um, uh, you know, providing for those in need. Um, and so when I met Jennifer, actually, it was one of our very earliest conversations, you know, just that I had this heart for that. Um, and she informed me at that time that she did not have that heart. Um, and so that if we were ever going to be on the same page, that I really needed to pray for her about that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I did for, for a season. 
um, and kind of the concept um, of adoption changed in my mind uh, more from uh, kind of the shallow perspective of, you know, providing just for someone in need and kind of more a bigger picture of, wait a second, God's adopted me and his family through Christ. If I'm really going to be a Christian or I'm going to say that I'm a Christ follower, then the best way to emulate that is to is to do that for a child and bring this child into our home, not because he, he's in need, um, but because Christ loves me and I should love like Christ loves. Um, and so that was really... You know, God did that. I didn't. I didn't do that. There's nothing that that happened that I can take credit for. But um, through that process, you know, we got older, um, and we got, we, yeah, we had a lot of kids, man. And uh, <laughs> and so whatever that burning desire that I had in my heart, kind of, um, it dwindled. And you know, I even remember one time, very very specifically, um, telling Jennifer, listen. We don't need to adopt a child. We have four kids. You can't have four kids and adopt a child. That's crazy. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, God just, he got us on the same page. Um, and so Jennifer's going to tell a little bit about that. Um, so hopefully I can make it through this without crying this time. But um, Yes, um, David Granger, when he asked us to speak, asked us to say something specific, a specific story about God's hand in our adoption story. And I didn't even know how to do that because the whole thing is God's hand. I don't, I didn't know how to narrow it down, but I, I did, and we talked about it. And um, I think two stories came to mind um, specifically. Like David said when he told me that he had a heart for adoption when we first started seriously dating I said, well, you're marrying the wrong girl because that is not me. I, I never knew any families that adopted when I was younger. I, that was not a part of anything that I knew about growing up or something my family talked about or anything. Um, God had not prepared me in that way like he had David growing up. And um, so I told him, you need to start praying for a heart change for me because this is something you're serious about. I just don't feel it. That's just not me. And... Um, it's just amazing how God can supernaturally change your heart and give you a love for something you never thought that you would have a passion for and a love for. And um, we were fortunate enough in our story to be in the delivery room when Miles was born. And um, when they put him in my arms and just the love that God birthed in my heart, even though he did not physically grow inside my body, um, it just can only be explained um, by God's hand and um, supernatural implanting of that in my heart and um, and that's what God does whenever he calls you to adopt and um, the other story just kind of going along with what David said is just there were several times in our marriage whenever he really wanted to adopt and I didn't feel that way at the beginning and then he his desire kind of dwindled and mine was kindled and um, we just the timing never seemed right, and then when we finally did get on the same page, we thought, okay, let's start walking down this road and doing this, and two times we started the adoption process by making phone calls and trying to figure out, you know, are we going to do foster care, are we going to do international, domestic, you know, kind of going down that road, and um, both times we just were so discouraged, and doors were shut, and people told us things basically that we shouldn't adopt, and just 
very discouraging, and we thought, okay, maybe this is not God's um, calling for our lives, and maybe we were wrong. And then the third time, whenever we said, okay, we're going to do the home study and just circumstances um, that I don't have time to get into kind of made us uh, go down that road again and start the home study process and, and walk that road again. It just, it was God's timing. And when it was our time, it just, the, the doors opened and everything happened so fast. And we got matched with Miles' birth mother before our home study was even finished. And then, boom, we had a child and he was ours. And it just, uh, it just makes me realize that Miles was... Uh, purposed and planned to be in our family before the foundation of the world and he knew that timing and we didn't in the times that we tried to do it on our own he was like no this is not I don't have a child for you yet your child isn't isn't conceived yet and um and he he had a plan and um we're so thankful for miles and it has just been such a joy and um I think David's going to say one more thing yeah, so I, I think that's one thing that I wanted to make sure that I pointed out is that, you know, I think sometimes um, in the Christian walk, you know, we, in, a, in an attempt to kind of combat the prosperity gospel, the, I, you know, we want to talk about how difficult it is and how hard it is. And, and, um, and man, Miles is, is a total blessing. He is so much fun. He, he is such a blessing to our family. The whole process of the adoption has been amazing, you know, the... Shavers kind of, kind of were really instrumental in kicking this off, and just this people group, you know, and, and seeing them in this uh, sanctuary, watching sermons with the birth mother, just sitting at their side of Bryce's birth mom, and just is it a mess? Yeah, yeah, it's a mess. Is Miles' birth family a mess? Yeah, yeah, it's a mess. Um, but it's such a blessing, and it's so much fun. And I think kind of the last thing I wanted to say was I think discerning God's will is difficult, um, you know, as far as decisions in your life and uh, kind of the things you encounter. Um, but I think it's very obvious from the scriptures that adoption is part of God's will. Um, and so as a people group, you know, whether or not you're called specifically to adopt or not, you know, that's between you and God. But I think um, we're all called to be involved in the care of the orphans and the widows. Um, and so in whatever way you can participate in that, whether it's by prayer or financially or by fostering or just by bridging for a kid, man. I mean, you know, there there are kids that need people that love the Lord in their life. Um, so I just want to, I just want to, I want to burden you with that really so that when you, when you leave today, you can think about how, how can we help? What can we do? Um, but be careful praying about it. I'm just going to tell you that. Just be careful. So uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, hear another story. Um, God, thank you, first of all, for Miles Gooch. Um, what a blessing he is for us. Thank you for all the uh, circumstances that you made perfect in your time um, to allow him to be uh, such a blessing and a member of our family. Um, thank you for... Thank you for adopting me. Thank you for adopting our family um, through your son, Christ. Just help us remember that. Help us remember that adoption is not a substitute for a biological child. A adoption is a way that we're brought into your family. Help us emulate that in the things that we do. Um, help us emulate that in our actions. Um, what a blessing it is. What an, what an amazing opportunity it is to, to live in a country where that's possible. Um, just help us. Help us be your people. 
help us reflect Christ in the things we do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I'm Jared Clary. This is my wife, Kristen. And this is Jaden. So uh, a lot of y'all have heard about Jaden um, because y'all have been a big part of her story. Um, but we just wanted to share a little bit of, with you about uh, how we've seen God move in her story. Um, we started the adoption process a little over four years ago. Um, and Jared and I both, um, even before we got married, that's one of the first things we talked about is um, that we both wanted to adopt because we've grown up around it. The church we were in in Oklahoma, over 50% of the kids are adopted. Um, we've just had it our whole lives, and we just knew, like, when we became believers, this was something we wanted. Um, so when we started this four years ago, it has been a um, long process for us, and it's funny hearing the crew just, like, just kept trying things and um, <laughs> it not starting. Um, but we've had some fall through, and... I had this idea of what adoption was going to be like um, the entire time I thought we would have a newborn. Um, so I know 90% of you guys that are from our church probably think we're crazy because we have a two-year-old, a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old. Um, so to solidify that, yes, um, we've lost our minds. But um, And I just know when I got the call with Jaden, um, it was about 12 hours between the call and me getting on an airplane by myself because Jared was in Sudan. And I wasn't really able to talk to him. Um, and before he left, he said, I just have a feeling you're going to get a call. <laughs> you want mommy? Sorry. Um, but I just um, really struggled this time because, like I said, I thought it would be a newborn. I thought in my head, like, two years. I mean, that's, that's normal. People have kids, like, two years apart. Um, just nothing was really working out, like, timing. My husband's in Africa. I'm getting on a plane by myself to drive to meet a birth mom that – has called two days earlier um and so I just kind of fell apart and was crying in our laundry room a lot and I'm not super emotional but I did it was about three hours of crying while my kids are in bed and um you got Jared's gone and um and I just had gotten a lot of texts and phone calls that really made me question because I know a lot of people probably um this is new um and just didn't know like stepping out faith and so at that same time as I'm like bawling my eyes out I don't know if you guys know Carrie Lewis. She's our um, missionary in South Sudan, where Jared was. But their time difference is like, I don't know, it's like middle of the night for them. It's nine hours difference. But she just happened to send me um, a message at that same time through Facebook and saying she's praying. Um, and she had someone that just said, jump. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm crying. I'm not. It's Jennifer's fault. I'm going to cry. I'm just kidding. Um, but, and that's what I felt like, which is funny that she just didn't jump, because I felt like I'm standing on the edge of a building. I mean, this, I could hit the, oh, hello, sorry. I mean, I really thought I, I could jump, and we could hit completely the bottom and not end up coming back from this. We've already had them fall through. We could raise money, and it all be lost. Um, I could get on the airplane and end up lost in the middle of Miami. I was like, I can't even drive by myself, but, um, but just, um, just that one message, and it was just kind of what I needed, and the Lord sent at the same time, and she sent me another one that just said, when you have your quiet time with your kids um, running around crazy, when you meet with the Lord every afternoon during the nap time, that's what you can trust, and um, it was just the Lord just kind of um, reaffirming, like, okay, as much as I want, like, everyone to be with this, but 
this may be crazy, but we're going to jump, and hopefully the Lord catches me before I splat on the ground. But um, that was just kind of a small thing that the Lord doing timing, just getting a message, and Jared's going to share more. <laughs> yeah, so we've been in the adoption process for four years, um, and so, had, like Kristen said, had some adoptions fail um, and through hard times. Um, and so really before I left for South Sudan, I just told Kristen, I said, I just, you're going to get a phone call. Um, while I'm gone, and so I trust you, and let me know what I need to do whenever I get back. And so last day of the mission trip, then she called, and she said, I just got a phone call, um, and so meet me in Florida. And so I changed my flight um, in Atlanta to, rather than coming home to Shreveport, and I met her in, in Miami. And uh, so a day later, then I got to meet Jaden and her birth mom. And uh, so it's been, it's been quite a journey. Um, but just some of the ways that we've seen God's hand in that. Um, before we ever knew Jaden, God had his hand on her. Um, talking to the birth mom, then she said, I found out I was pregnant at 33 weeks, which was too late for me to have an abortion. And we just saw, I mean, God had his hand on her, protecting her. That a birth mom wouldn't find out she's pregnant until 33 weeks, too late for her to have an abortion. And so he just protected her life. Um, and so we saw it there. Um, we also saw it just in the way that God provided for her. Um, and so we've been able to just really encourage a lot of people by saying that her adoption was funded in four days by God's people. And so we thank you for that. Um, that was an incredible blessing for us uh, to be able to say, wow, like God's people have completely provided for this little girl that they haven't even met. And so thank you for that. Uh, $30,000 in four days. People are amazed at what God can do. And so we want to thank you for that. That's Those are a couple of ways that we've seen God move and his hand in this. Um, and so Jaden is a blast. She is uh, adjusting well every day. It gets a little easier um, as she adjusts. And so we look forward to you guys getting to meet her and uh, be a part of her life. And so, thank you guys. Thank you. Be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, uh, I'm praying that I got all my crying out the first service. Uh, I sat next to Blake. And Blake is the biggest crybaby in the church. And I say that proudly because that makes me not the biggest. I'm the second. Um, but uh, it's just so awesome to see, you know, um, the, the scripture says that, that God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of the, of the, uh, of the widows. And um, I think the reason these stories are so powerful uh, is because in uh, adoption, in foster care, we see a very visible picture of the unfathomable love that God has for us. And uh, I was talking to a friend in the coffee shop who is, uh, God is showing him his, how much he loves him because uh, he didn't have a great example of, of, of an earthly father's love. And he said, you know, the Lord opened his eyes to see how much the Father loves him. And I think that's why it's so powerful. Uh, that when we look at the scriptures, what we see is spiritually, all of us, um, 
had a bad father because of sin. He's a father of lies. He's an accuser. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't treat us well. But God, in his grace, uh, gave his life for us that he could adopt us through faith in Jesus Christ. Our sin separates us from our perfect Heavenly Father, and He pursues each one of us um, with His love and His grace. And He says, let me love you. Put your faith in my Son, Jesus Christ, and I bring you into my family. I seal you. I secure you. I guarantee you a phenomenal inheritance. All the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places are there for His children. And so God's love is pictured uh, in adoption. And this was just a snapshot of, of when Granger and I were praying through what, and talking through what this service uh, should be and the theme of it. Uh, we wanted this to be uh, all praise to God for the a movement that he has begun in our church. Uh, we, we didn't do anything to start this. It's in a program. We didn't ask you to sign up for the adoption anything. God just did this, and God is doing this. And, and I look around, and I see faces of people have come to me and say, hey, we're praying about adoption. We're praying about foster care. We've gone through foster training, and we're interested in these things. Uh, and and the, the people who gave to, to fund uh, that adoption and people who have given so faithfully, uh, all of us have a role and so our desire is to give all glory and honor to the Lord who is doing this in, in our church and to challenge you, every one of you, including me, to say, God, what's my role uh, in this? Um, it may be that God says, I want you to, to, to sign up for foster care and investigate that. It may be that God says, I want you to uh, start praying about adopting. It may be that God says, hey, you're in a place in life now where you've got more resources uh, than when you were raising your kids. Isn't that ironic that you, you have money when you don't have the kids, and when you have the kids, you got no money? I don't know God's plan in that, right? So maybe it's that we who are older in life, and our kids are basically raised, and your income levels are higher, that now you can fund other people to raise kids. Um, and so whatever that role is, uh, all of us need to ask the Lord, uh, how can I be a vessel of your love uh, for adoption, for foster care, and for helping others. And uh, so there are so many people here uh, I want to, that aren't represented here that have been participated in it. Just one last story. Uh, if you'll put the Garmin's uh, pictures of Luke's lighthouse. The Lord uh, uh, brought home one of the Ben and Lori Garmin's first child, went home to be with the Lord very early. And the people just, how do we love the Garmin's in this process? And so whew, people just said, Let me, here's some money. And the Garmin's were like, what do we do with this? And so they have built an orphanage in India. And these are the children whose lives have been touched by that orphanage. And I just want to read just a, a brief note that um, they've, they, by God's grace, have a Christian home for orphaned and impoverished children in India that they founded in March 2013 in memory of Luke James Garmin. And uh, they are so thankful for, for being mentioned in this service. They said they wish they could be here, but they're home w with their newest baby, um, Lila Catherine, uh, in addition to Grant that they have now, two, two children. It says that these children are now uh, a part of a loving Christian Indian family, uh, and they daily receive nutritious meals, education, and the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, and so it's a beautiful, they also were just able to build a beautiful new facility. It was built in 2015, and there is room for them to take in more children. Uh, and so they sent these, just, just a couple of pictures of what's going on over there. I know others involved in orphanages in Africa, others who are here in our church, uh, the Shavers, who I think probably were one of the earliest, if not the first, to start four and a half years ago. Uh, adopting. Uh, I know that others are in the middle of uh, foster care. And so we just praise the Lord for the movement that he has begun and want to encourage you to be a part of that movement. So let us all go home and pray, Lord, what's my role in this process? So let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love, uh, your amazing grace. Uh, is displayed in the sacrificial love of these families uh, through through their their desire to adopt lord we we are so moved by this not just because of the amazing picture of human love that it is but even more the the depths the reason it touches our soul the reason it it touches deep is because it gives us a glimpse of the unlimited love and mercy and grace that you have for us thank you God we certainly don't deserve it but you are so gracious I pray that every person here knows your love and your grace that is experienced only through a relationship with Jesus Christ Lord we thank you for such amazing grace it's in Christ's name we pray Amen Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.